uh, the children uh, living for the Lord, singing for the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. I still think that some artists ought to, and I told an artist just a couple of weeks ago that, uh, ought to paint a church pew with a whole family sitting on it. I, I don't know of a greater picture you could hang in your home than, than uh, a whole family sitting on the church pew or in the church row, uh, all serving God, living for God. Uh, sister, I was so thankful to watch you and the children tonight. Uh, and uh, as communion was going on, she was explaining to the girls what was happening, and, and I'm sure questioning them, are you sure? Uh, you know, uh, and uh, that's why families ought to sit together, uh, you know, so you can talk to your children and watch your children, know what they're doing, take the coloring books away from them, take the, uh, the little tink, 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 tink things away from them, uh, okay? God, help us where we've come to today. Uh, and uh, I trust that, you know, people say, are you on Facebook? And I said, no, I keep my face in this book. Uh, amen. <laughs> Um, I've never been on Facebook, don't intend to go on Facebook, but from what people tell me about Facebook, if we were as honest with God as people are on Facebook, we'd have revival. We'd have revival. They'd just go in there and spell out their everything. Uh, Won't you just get before God and tell him how wicked you are and tell him how sorry you are and tell him how you failed him and and tell him, you know, that uh, just the truth, just the truth. Uh, and then people say, are you on Twitter? I said, no, when I was a little boy. My daddy said, son, don't Twitter your life away. Uh, and and uh, so, no, I'm not on Twitter, okay. Uh, and uh, I, I hope you'll think about the hours that you're on that stuff. And if you would spend those same hours in the Word of God, uh, and just, uh, you know, did you, I was telling uh, Brother Joe and, and, and uh, Little Joe, Little Big Joe, Big Little Joe, uh, and Grandpa last night, you know, uh, you, you, take a, you take an Apple computer or Apple cell phone, and it's got an apple on it, but what does it look like? Somebody took a bite out of it. What did Eve take a bite out of in the garden? What did she take it out for? She wanted to know as much as God knew. Folks, we have bit the apple. That's why there's apple one, apple two, apple three, apple four, apple five, apple six. We're never satisfied. We just want to know more. We want a little faster internet and a little faster Wi-Fi and a little faster this and something else. We're never satisfied because, let me tell you, we're in a realm right now of technology where we never should have come to. I don't know if you've ever seen the film, uh, and I'm not promoting Hollywood films, but there's an old, old film where Spencer Tracy plays uh, the part uh, of um, Thomas Edison. And they're honoring him down at the end of his life. Very end of his life, this huge banquet, and they ask him to say a word, and he's hooked up to the microphones of the world at that time. And he said, I appreciate all you've done tonight, but he said... I wonder if man has not already come further than his creator meant for him to come. And that was, that was back then. That was back then. And I, I just say to you tonight, quit thirsting for technology. Thirst for the God who made technology. All this has been out here. This isn't new. All the stuff that we're learning, we just finally found out about it. God made it all when he started. He put oil in the earth to start with. You know, scientists say, well, when all the animals drowned in the flood, they turned into oil. 
uh, and the people did too. So you may be running grandpa in your engine, uh, you, you know. Uh, so uh, you, you need to understand. Now, when God made the earth, it had brass in it. It had iron in it. It, it had coal in it. All the things. And then uh, he has let man little by little discover it. Then he said, when it comes down to the end, I'm going to remove the curtain. And I'm going to let man discover all of this stuff. And then I'm going to shut the door. You can read that. It's in the book of Daniel. Uh, and uh, he, he said, in the end time, people will run everywhere. You know, you, you can get on a supersonic jet today and leave here and be in England in three hours. Uh, you know, men get on rocket ships and travel 15,000 miles an hour, uh, run around the earth every little bit. They watch the sun come up seven times in one night, uh, you know, uh, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And don't know the God that made it. And don't know the God that created it. Oh, uh, let, let, me just, let me just beseech you to to spend your time valuably, valuably, knowing God. Not knowing about God, knowing God, experiencing God. Oh, it'll change your life. It'll change your heart. It'll change uh, about how you spend your time, everything. And you will be wiser, you'll be richer, uh, you know, nothing to be compared, Solomon said, with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Uh, and so I hope you'll do that. Uh, I hope you'll get the things on the table. Thank you that uh, many of you have already, and I hope the rest of you will. Uh, the movie, Twice Given. The movie this year is 30 years old. 30 years old. And we still have over 3,000 people a month saved through the movie. Uh, uh, you know... Uh, and, and, you know, it's amazing what God will do with something. really is. You know, when, when my second wife got sick and I said, I'm going to love her, I'm going to take care of her, I'm going to give myself, and, and I did for 28 and a half years, uh, and, and uh, on and on and on. I, I didn't set out to do that thinking, boy, I'll be world famous, boy. I, I mean, people everywhere will know about this story. And, uh, I, I didn't know what, but what, I just knew what God wanted me to do. And what I told a lady who stood at the altar I, and what I told her I would do. I don't think I'm a hero. I think I just did what I promised a woman I would do. Uh, and uh, I, I, I hope that... Uh, I hope you'll get the movie. It'll change your life. It'll strengthen your marriage. Uh, it's the greatest evangelistic tool today. I mean, one of them. Uh, you could get this movie, go up and down your street, and just say to couples, look, over at our home, we have a movie that will help your marriage. And I promise you, you'll win more people to Christ in one week than you've won in your life. You'll get more people to come and join the church than you ever have. Just, just taking and, and having them over. The Bible says be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So spend a little money, cook some hamburgers. If you don't have that much money, make some grilled cheese sandwiches. If you don't have that much money, buy some cheap peanut butter and, and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh, you know, you, use, uh, use anything to get them to hear the gospel. And to, to, to come to reality. And, and I hope that you'll, you'll do that. Uh, and then how big is God? The creation of the universe. Uh, it, it's, a, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, as you see the creation of the universe. Our, our sun is so big. If you took a million balls the size of our earth. Cut a hole in the sun and dropped them inside the sun. And shook it, it would rattle just like a baby rattle with a million earths inside of it. Did you know there's a star called Betelgeuse? And it makes our sun absolutely look as big as the pinhead. It is so much bigger than our sun.
And it's just a medium star. You know, God is God. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And he's sometimes, I, I, I just say, Father, you're really extravagant. <laughs> Look at all the trillions of stars. And he put them up there for a simple reason, to make a calendar so that the, the stars keep the calendar. The, the scientists can tell you tonight, somewhere, somehow, there's a day missing. And that day is Joshua's prayer. 23 hours and 20 minutes, God stopped the universe. It didn't move. You say, where's the other 40 minutes? When God turned back the sundial for King Hezekiah to prove to him he was going to live another 15 years. He turned it back. How many minutes? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Uh, and, and they know that. You talk to any scientist that knows anything uh, about astronomy, and he'll tell you there's a day missing. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I hope that you'll get these things. Your children will watch this again and again. You will. You'll sit there mesmerized watching this and, and seeing how big God really is. And then the Bible challenge. They, this man reads you the Bible in 72 hours. You say, how does he read like this? No. If you sit down tonight and read for 72 hours, you will finish the Bible. 72 hours, you can read the whole Bible. We did that one time in Denver, Colorado, at Dr. Ed Nelson's church. One of us started out on Friday night reading the Bible, and we read till Sunday. Uh, I guess we started on Thursday. Read till Sunday, morning church. And 72 hours, the last person read the Bible, and then we started Sunday school. And we had read through the Bible in 72 hours. Uh, and I'm talking to people tonight that have never read it. You've never read it all yet. You've never read it all yet. Then you can read it in 72 hours. You know why? Your priorities are messed up. You need to read the Bible. You, you know, the book of the Revelation, God said, you know, if you read this book, if you read this book, the book of the Revelation, I will bless you. I will bless you. So if you're going to forsake everything else, read the book of the Revelation because you need a blessing. You need a blessing. But read the whole Bible. Read the whole Bible. And, and uh, you say, Brother Williams, you, you want us to be a fanatic? Yeah. I'd like to meet some Christian fanatics. I, I really would. Uh, you know, when I was chaplain of the Broncos, they had 70,000 fanatics. Every Sunday afternoon. Did you know if you went tonight to Denver, Colorado, and said, I want to buy a season ticket to watch the Broncos play, you would wait 75 years to purchase that ticket? They are sold out for 75 years for season tickets. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's people purchased a 75-year ticket? I think we ought to go back to where you pay rent on your pew because where your treasure is, your heart will be there too. Faith, faith the one thing you can't please God without is faith. Get it. Get it and read it. Get Listen to these four tapes, four CDs on faith. You can't please God without faith. Hebrews 11, 6. Uh, and I, I hope that you'll do that with God in prayer. Four CDs uh, with God in prayer. And then the young lady from Indiana uh, playing on these two albums, uh, He Lives, uh, and then the uh, patriotic album also ten dollars each two for 20 don't miss the bargain okay don't miss the bargain we're trying to help this young lady get these out uh, and I, I hope you'll help us to help her uh, get them out and then the, our brand new album we're so excited about 10 dvds inside this album 10 45 minute dvds on prayer 
on prayer. Uh, till you have prayed, you have done nothing. You have done nothing. Uh, and these are professionally filmed. Uh, I am be preaching along, and I'll say something about Spurgeon, and Mr. Spurgeon appears on the screen. I, I preach along, and I'll say something about Adonam Judson's prayer life, and Adonam Judson shows up. Uh, and uh, you, you'll be amazed uh, as you watch the films uh, and, and the effect upon prayer upon your life. Uh, you, you, I, I don't know how to, to challenge God's people anymore than just say you've done nothing till you've prayed. You've done nothing till you pray. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, first of all, pray. First of all, pray. In the Second Chronicles 7, 14, God said, if my people, which are called by my name, on themselves, and first thing, pray. Pray. God didn't say anywhere in the Bible, my house shall be called a house of preaching. He didn't say it should be called a house of soul. He didn't say it should be a, a social place. No, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. House of prayer. House of prayer. Can you think of how little prayer goes on in this place? And yet we have the audacity to say this is a house of prayer? No. Uh, we, we, we must, we must come back to prayer. And then the book, Prayer and Faith, that Ms. Williams and I wrote, I think, four years ago. Uh, and God is using it, using it so wonderfully. People are getting saved through it. Uh, people are getting challenged in their prayer life. And then the wonderful, wonderful CD. I, I'm so thankful for this CD. Uh, Developing a Prayer Life for You Ladies by Ms. Williams. I know what kind of a prayer warrior my wife is. Hours and hours she prays. Uh, and she has instructed you here how to develop a prayer life. Yeah, you know, how many remember the old Polaroid camera? You remember that? Uh, you'd take a picture and wait, and a little bit, he'd go, uh, you know, and stick out his tongue at you, and you rip it off, and you had a picture. You know why you had to wait? Develop. Develop. You won't start off praying 15 minutes a day. You won't start off praying 10 minutes at a time. You'll start off and then you develop it and develop it and develop it. Then you add to your prayer life and add to your prayer life and add to your prayer life. And, and it'll amaze you. An hour will go by just so quick, so quick, uh, and two hours. Uh, and, and I trust, I trust that you will get these. And then get you a hundred tracks, five dollars on it. One little boy in a church in Jefferson City, Missouri, he walked up and he handed us forty dollars. He had robbed his little piggy bank, savings bank, everything, and he bought uh, eight, uh, let's see, he bought uh, eight times five, well, four thousand tracks. And his daddy said, he'll, he'll have those given out in about three weeks. I think he's 12 years old. Uh, you know, if, if we could just get a burden to serve God. You're going on vacation, don't think anymore of leaving on a vacation without money and then say, where's my tracks? Do we have tracks? Do we have enough to last us? And Ms. Williams and I, uh, we just go through these and other tracks that we give out all the time. And I, I hope, I hope, uh, you know, uh, you say you talk too much. I know. Uh, but that's all right because if you was home, you'd eat, and most of you really don't need it. Oh, okay? Uh, and uh, so uh, I, I trust uh, that you will, you will do that. You will do that. Uh, all right. Now, uh, I'm so glad that Pastor uh, had communion tonight. Ms. Williams and I often miss communion at our church. Uh, and I'm so glad we were here tonight. And, I'm, you know, the, there's no happenstances with God. Uh, I, I want uh, the message that God has given me for tonight. Uh, you know, did, did you ever have somebody uh, building something for you? And they nailed something down, and then you come along and looked at it and said, that nail needs just one more lick, just one more lick. And, and, and so I, I just want to kind of nail down the, what the preacher gave us tonight. 
If you would turn with me, please, to the book of Isaiah and uh, chapter 53, the book of Isaiah and chapter 53, and, and I want to call your attention to some places in the Bible uh, this evening. Isaiah and chapter 53, I want you to see the lamb, the lamb as the suffering lamb, Jesus the suffering lamb. Uh, Look at him in Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Please understand tonight that when you get to heaven, you're not going to see an extraordinary good-looking man. Jesus Christ was not that. Uh, you say, but how about the pictures? Well, first of all, there are no pictures of Christ. Uh, there never was one taken. Uh, you can find busts uh, of, uh, uh, of Pontius Pilate. You can find busts of the Caesars and the Neros and everybody else, but you can't find any kind of a bust or picture of Jesus Christ. There just never was one made. Uh, and, uh, but when an artist paints, uh, and he, he will paint his own people. Uh, the the twelve apostles sitting at the uh, at, at the table. Almost all those pictures are painted by an Italian. And if you look at the facial construction of every one of those men, they're Italians. They're Italian. Jews don't have sharp noses. Okay, they just don't. I'm not uh, making fun or anything. I'm just saying that's not a Jew. Uh, and Jesus Christ did not. And Jesus Christ, read what it says here. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was not good looking. He was very ordinary looking. In fact, he was so ordinary looking that Judas Iscariot had to put a kiss on his cheek to identify him out of the 11 men that were there with Christ. They had, he had to put a kiss on the cheek uh, to recognize Jesus Christ by the Roman soldiers and by the Jewish hierarchy that was there that night to crucify him. And so we see Christ. And it was, we're not going to love him because he was extraordinary good looking. We see him tonight here, and he said, and he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, uh, and we esteemed him not. Man, look at that list there, and, and understand he knew what sorrow was. He knew what grief was. Uh, he knew what heartache was. A missionary uh, said to me sometimes recently, and he, he said, Brother Williams, he said, you know, uh, it's, we were on the field six years, six years without coming home. I said, sir, I don't want to bust your bubble, but Jesus didn't go home for 33 years. Uh, and, and uh, you know, when you think of the heartache of Christ, you see, you see him out on the mountains praying. You see him in the desert praying. And he's crying out to his father. And oh, how he must have longed just to go home. How he must have longed to go where the angels worshipped him. Where the seraphims cried, holy, holy, holy. Where people don't spit on him, they bow to him. Where people don't curse him, they worship him. Uh, and on and on and on. And Jesus Christ was a man, and he got homesick. When Pastor read to us tonight about Calvary, you'll notice there that he said, Woman, behold your son. He never once, you can't show me once where he ever called her mother. He was not allowed to do that in the spirit because that would have esteemed Mary to a place where she ought not have been and does not yet belong to be in that place. Dear friend, she was simply a woman that God used her womb to bring himself into this world. I want you to understand tonight that we have before us this Savior, a root out of dry ground. Did you ever see a good looking root? I've never seen him display a root and say, boy, isn't this a good-looking root? He was a root out of dry ground. He had no comeliness. He was not some superhuman being with all muscles and everything. Notice here who he is. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It wasn't the Roman soldiers that killed him. It wasn't the Jews that killed him. It was his father that brought my sins and your sins, and he marched them upon Calvary like one giant army, like one giant battalion. My friend, I want you to understand that he marched sin in his companies, in his battalions, and on and on and on. And like one giant human ink blotter, the eternal Son of God took it and took it and took it and took it until Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took the sins of the harlot and the sins of the dope addict and the sins of the liars and the sins, my friend, of the Christ haters and all of the others, the R.A. Tories who was an atheist full-blown before God saved him and George Whitfield whose father raised him in a beer garden in, in uh, London uh, and on and on and on. And you see the woman who wrote Just As I Am, a red-light district whore and God saved her and she said, "I, you know, with his blood, it cleanses each spot each spot my friend wants you to understand tonight that here we find the suffering lamb he is suffering he's taking our beatings they beat on him and beat on him in Pilate's hall and those men did they bruised him they bruised him until his face, and I never saw the, the passion film, but I promise you it didn't even come close. It didn't even come close. They beat him until his lips rolled inside out. They beat him until his eyes almost swolled completely shut. They beat on his nose till it spread across his face. You read it, it's in your Bible, Isaiah 52, verse 14. He was so marred more than any man. So marred more than any man. Read Isaiah 50 and verse 6. The Savior had a beard. Uh, can you imagine me walking up to Grandpa tonight and getting two fistfuls of, of hair and jerking them until the skin come loose from his face and peeling it down like this? That's what they did to our Savior. They took and snatched his beard from his face and then dared to spit on his face but it wasn't man spitting on man. It was man spitting on God. And God stood there and took it for your sins and my sins. And we see him here. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And so in Isaiah 53, you would do well to study this chapter again and again and again. The Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth as a slaughtered lamb. When they get ready to slaughter a lamb, they take that lamb and the man who's to slaughter it steps across the lamb, reaches down and gets a handful of wool and pulls that sheep's head like this until his eyes meet the man's eyes that is going to slaughter him. And that man then knows that the sheep's jugular vein is as tight as it's going to go. It's not going to get any better. And in that position, he draws the knife across the throat and the lamb bleeds greater that way than any other way to get the blood out of the body. And he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. If you, if you go back to the book, of, uh, the book of Genesis and you see Abraham taking Isaac up Mount Moriah, you'll see the same picture, my friend, as he steps across the body of his son and there in that place uh, pulls his head back till their eyes meet. In the book of Isaiah 53, he's the suffering 
lamb. It says he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was taken from prison and judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. You remember Joseph of Arimathea was a very rich man and Jesus was buried in his grave because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." Dear friend, here he is, the suffering lamb, and there we see the picture of him being beaten, being smitten, being stricken, being rejected, being despised, and on and on and on. If you turn with me, please, to the book of John and chapter 1. The book of John and chapter 1. John the Baptist, do not con, uh, confuse John the Baptist with John the Apostle or John Mark. There are several Johns in your Bible. This is John the Baptist. He is the second cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and here we find him now as we see him. He's walking by the Jordan River, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is referred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water and John by record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him and I knew him not. I knew him not. This is his second cousin and yet he said, I did not know him until now. I did not know him till I saw him coming to the Jordan River to be baptized, until I saw the Spirit of God resting upon him. Uh, they didn't spend any time together. John was a desert rat. I mean, he lived out in the desert. He wore uh, just a, a loincloth and, and a camel skin that covered part of his body. He ate wild honey uh, and locusts and, and so on. Uh, and he was just a little bit different but he was used of God in such a tremendous way. He said, I must decrease, but he must increase. That ought to be the caption over our lives tonight, that we decrease, we decrease, but he increases, and he gets the glory, and he gets the praise, and he gets the worship, and he gets the credit for what we are, who we are, or anything about us. You own nothing tonight. You own nothing tonight. He owns it all because he owns you. And I say to you this evening, here we see him as the salvation lamb. It says, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And we see him in the book of Ephesians as our salvation. And through the, his precious blood, we are saved. And we notice tonight, here, he is the author of salvation. Acts 4.12, neither is there any other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved except Jesus Christ. My friend, let me tell you, there is no other Savior. There is no other Redeemer. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. He did not come hoping to be a Savior. He did not come trying to be a Savior. Dear friend, he came to be a Savior. It wasn't like maybe nobody would ever get saved. No, they were going to get saved. The Bible said he shall save his people from their sins. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, my friend, and those that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You know, it, it amazes me. I, I'm, I'm getting, I get in trouble everywhere about election. Uh, you know, nobody wants God to be able to elect somebody to be saved. Uh, who'd you vote for in the last election? Huh? Hey, we have elections all the time. We elect the sheriff. We elect uh, the governor. We elect the mayor. We elect the president. 
Don't you feel sorry for the guy that didn't get elected? <laughs> but you know, I've never found a preacher that I could get an argument out of about the cows on the ark. The lions on the ark, the eagles on the ark. Who do you think put them on there? God put two, God put two eagles on there, and the rest of the eagles, they died. Hey, don't put God in a box. You won't make it. I love to go to our nations. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I don't ask it to pin the young man down. I ask it for the benefit of all these guys that are picking his brain. Can a lost person be filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, no, brother. No. Come on, doubt. No way. Well, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. <laughs> and all men are born sinners, right? Oh, well, anyway. Now, try that one on for a while. <laughs> he is the salvation lamb. He said, listen, listen, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread. I am the water. I am. He is not the I was. He's the I am. And he'll be the I am tomorrow, and he'll be the I am 10 years from now, and he'll be an I now, the I am forever. He's present tense, my friend. He was the only Savior that ever was. He's the only Savior that is. You see, the people of the Old Testament got saved by looking forward to the coming of Christ. We get saved believing that he did come and that he did go to Calvary for our sin. You say, you mean they knew Christ in the Old Testament? Did they know Christ in the Old Testament? My friend David said, I see my Lord sitting at the right hand of my Lord. You tell me who that is, okay? You go to Proverbs chapter 30, and he said, who can tell his name and his son's name? Who can tell his name and his son's name? Proverbs chapter 30. My friend, let me say, Ezekiel said, I saw him coming in burnished clouds of gold. Daniel said, I see him coming with 10,000 times 10,000 of his saints. You say, let's go way back, preacher. Okay, let's go way back to Enoch, the seventh from Adam. And the Bible says in the book of Jared that he saw them, him coming with 10,000s of his saints. And you say, well, is there any more? Yeah, Micah prophesied his birth. The seventh, three 550 years before he was born. He said he'll be born in Bethlehem, Ephra of Judea. My friend, let me tell you, you can just go on and on and on. Moses wrote and spoke of his first and second advent both. And you can come down to David who said, I see my Lord sitting on the right hand of my Lord. And you can just come right on down through the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of Jesus Christ. And we find here that, you know, when, when, when the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip ran up to his chariot, and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm reading the Bible. And he said, how can you understand it? He said, how can I? Except some man guide me. And he got up in there, and it says that he was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53. And the eunuch said, is he speaking of himself or, or, or somebody else? Is the prophet saying he's the one? And Philip opened his mouth at the same scripture and preach Jesus Christ, my friend. And, and tonight, let me tell you, he's the only Savior. He didn't come to try to be a Savior. He is the Savior, and he's the only Savior. He's the only one that's ever been a Savior. He's the only one will ever be a Savior. My friend, and else you'll be saved, you'll have to come to the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And I, be, I beg you tonight to believe that this evening. And then I want you to notice, if you would please, in Exodus in chapter 12, in Isaiah, uh, he's the suffering lamb. In John, he's the salvation lamb. And if you turn to Exodus and chapter 12, please. Exodus and chapter 12. Exodus is the second book in your Bible if you haven't been saved very long. And you go back to chapter 12. And we'll look there, uh, please, this evening at uh, verse 4. 
Exodus 12, verse 4, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Here's the instruction in the book of Exodus. God says to the Jews, I'm fixing to take you out of Egypt. Now here's what you do. You take a little lamb without blemish and without spot. That's in the earlier verses there. And he said you pin it up on the 14th day uh, 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 or the 13th, 12th day of the month, Abib. Tenth day, I'll get it right in a minute. The tenth day of the month, Abib, which is our month, April, And he said, you pin it up on the 10th day. I'm known on the 14th day. Now the lamb's been pinned up three full days. And that's a picture of Christ dead for three days uh, at Calvary. And here he said, you take the lamb out then and you slit the throat of the little lamb. You catch the blood in a basin and then you take hyssop weed and you dip it in there and you walk over here to the door and uh, you go up here uh, to the cross post and you put the blood there, and then you come and put the blood here. That makes a perfect cross. And uh, there we find the crimson blood of Christ. I don't know who wrote the wordless book, but they never did read their Bible. Sin is never called black in the Bible. It's always called crimson or scarlet. My friend, and when you, did you ever play the little game Password years ago uh, where you had this little uh, plastic thing in your hand and it had a little red cellophane uh, uh, front there that you could see through and you've got a card over here. It's, it's got black words on it. It's got red words written over the black words so you can't tell what the word is till you run it down through here. So you run the card down behind this little red window and all of a sudden the red is gone and you read the black word and give a clue to your partner that's helping you in this in this little game. My friend, you know, red through red appears absolutely white. When God takes the crimson blood of Jesus Christ and puts it over my scarlet sin and looks down through it, it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. Whiter than the driven snow. Do you know how snowflakes are made? The moisture falls down through the atmosphere and up in our atmosphere are trillions of little particles of dust and the water starts farming around this one and then this one and this one. That's why every snowflake is different because every dust particle is different, my friend, and they fall down to the ground and it's beautiful, 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 but a close inspection with a microscope will prove to you that in every snowflake is a speck Friend, I, tonight, though I sinned, though I walked in sin and lived in sin, when I got redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, I want you to know, I don't even have the speck tonight. I'm whiter than the snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, here in the book of Exodus, he is the sufficient Lamb. Did you see what verse 4 said? He said, look, if your family can't eat all the lamb, go next door and get the neighbor and his family. You see, the lamb may, the household may be too little for the lamb, but the lamb has never been too little for the household. And God said this, if you can't eat all the lamb, go get your neighbors. And friend, there's still plenty of lamb. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Oh, tonight, oh, tonight, see him as the sufficient lamb. Now, I want you to know, you can't name me somebody tonight that God can't save. Uh, you say, oh, preacher, let me tell you about my situation with my husband or my wife or my grandchild or somebody. Let me tell you about Mary Magdalene who he cast seven demons out of and saved her by his grace and cleansed her by his blood. And she's probably the most, uh, uh, most compassionate, the, the greatest maybe uh, Christian in the New Testament. It is Mary Magdalene, whom out he cast seven demons and saved her soul. Uh, well, let's go over to the Gadarean demoniac. He's got 2,000 demons in him. 2,000, he can pick log chains apart just with his fingertips. I mean, just break them and crush them. Uh, And he runs through the hills and sleeps in the tombs. And Jesus comes. Oh, Jesus comes. I said, Jesus comes, my friend. And he cleanses him and saves him. And he's sitting clothed and in his right mind. I was preaching in South Bend, Indiana. 
and right across the border is Niles, Michigan. And one night a man walked in and he had on a sweatshirt and half of the belly of the shirt was out and his hairy old belly was hanging out. And he had tire treads. I'm not kidding. He had taken some tires and cut the treads out of them and take some, uh, some straps and fixed them across his feet for shoes. He had hair that looks like an explosion in a mattress factory uh, and a beard like this. I mean, uh, and he come in and sit down and I got through preaching and he walked up the aisle after everybody had almost gone except the preacher and me and a couple of others and he said, I, my name is Ray Bama. I'm a satanic priest. He said, I want you to understand and I, I want to show you something. And he pulled up his sleeves like that and I've seen dope arms and all of that. That wasn't that. He said, I two-timed the demons last night and this is what they did to my arms. And he just ripped That man stand there and talk to you and the demons would talk right out of the air while you was trying to talk. I, I mean, he, he was so demon-possessed and he said, I'm coming back tomorrow night. I said, good. I went to my motel. I don't care if you know this or not. I didn't sleep. I fell on my knees. I prayed through the night. I prayed through the next day. I revitalized my mind about the blood of Jesus Christ and the scriptures. And I came that night and I preached on the blood. And Ray Bama was there. And the first man down the aisle was Ray Bama. And he came and he got washed in the blood. He got washed in the blood. And I said this morning, if you get washed in the blood, if you get saved, you're going to be different. And there was about 400 people the next night. And I, the, the pastor was sitting over here by me like this. And, and, and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, preacher, look back there in the crowd. I said, there's Ray Bama. There's Ray Bama. He said, that ain't him. I said, it is him. He said, that can't be him. I said, it's him. And I got up and interrupted the song leader. And I said, Ray, is that you? Is that you, Ray? He said, I mean, he had a haircut uh, as good as any man could get his haircut. He had on a nice blue suit, white shirt, and a necktie, and the beard was gone. The hair was trimmed. I didn't say preach about that at all. Uh, but he, he stood up, and he said, could I say a word, uh, Brother Wilson? I said, help yourself, right? And he said, preacher, I, I, I went back to the place where I've worked the last 14 years, and they wouldn't even let me in the door. They said, that ain't you, Ray. Quit kidding us. And he said, I had to get out my wallet and show them my old picture. They said, man, what happened? Oh, he said, let me tell you. And you know, Ray Bama, he got saved. Uh, and he went on with God. I don't know where he is today. That was a, a lot of years ago. But he, he started serving God there in Niles, Michigan. Uh, you know, there is power in the blood. You, you can't name me somebody tonight that God can't save. Jesus said in Hebrews 7.25, he said, Wherefore, I'm able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by me, seeing that I were living to make intercession. They couldn't bring him one in the New Testament that he couldn't heal. The disciples would get confronted. They'd be confronted with something and they'd get confounded and they couldn't do it. And the Savior would come along and do it. They didn't bring him anybody that he couldn't raise from the dead. They didn't bring him anybody he couldn't heal. The deaf, the lame, he didn't bring so many at one time, but what he healed the whole crowd. I want you to know tonight, dear friend, that Jesus Christ is not limited in any way. He is the Savior. And we find him here as the sufficient lamb. You can go get your neighbors, folks. I want you to know he can save them. He can save them. I want you to know he can save the people you work with. He can save the people you live by. He can save the people. He is the Redeemer. Oh, tonight, that we believe that with all of our heart. Look at the book of the Revelation, would you, tonight, please? The book of the Revelation and uh, chapter 5. The book of the Revelation and uh, chapter 5. And I call your attention to verse 5. The book of the Revelation and uh, chapter 5 and uh, verse 5. And the Bible says, here and he said let's start with verse 1 and I saw in his right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice 
Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not! Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him to set upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seal thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. I want you to see him as the superior lamb. I want you to see him as the superior lamb. There was nobody in heaven that could open the book. Not the greatest angel, not the greatest seraphim, not the greatest cherubim. There was nobody that could open the book. Not one of the 24 elders could open the book. My friend, none of them could open the book. But he said, just a minute, there's a lamb that can open the book. There's a lamb that has earned the right to open the book for he has redeemed us by his blood out of every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every nation. There'll be some in heaven. There'll never be a family that lived on earth but what somebody in that family got saved. There'll never be a tribe but what God saved somebody out of that tribe. There'll never be a nation but what God saved somebody out of that nation, every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, some will be there because of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God, my friend, and the redeeming Lamb, the the suffering Lamb, the salvation Lamb, and the, the blessed superior Lamb. And John said, I saw Him as a Lamb that had been slaughtered. Don't go to heaven expecting to look on something glorious in the person of Jesus Christ. There's two people I believe that that I wish would read the Bible. One is songwriters. The other one is artists. I can't believe songs that people write. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. He didn't die to build cabins. He died to build mansions for his redeemed. I I can't believe things that they write. Just suppose God would have searched all over heaven. Couldn't have found one willing to die. God didn't search anywhere. The determinate counsel of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost met together. And Jesus said, Father, I'll go. I'll die. God didn't have to search. He was the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. Your name was written in his book before the foundation of the world. Now you can call that Calvinism. You can call it whatever you want to. But Paul and I call it Bible. You say, I don't like that. Well, tell God about it. I didn't write it, okay? No. I'm like preacher. I may not understand it all, but I believe it all. I believe it all. I want you to understand tonight, dear friend, please understand tonight. He is the superior lamb. He's the superior lamb. He's the suffering lamb. He's the salvation lamb. And he's the sufficient lamb. And it's all in the person of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ until his father said this. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In whom I'm well pleased. You know, uh, in in the book of Hebrews, in in chapter 2 of the 12th chapter, or verse 2 of the 12th chapter, it says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Uh, Joe, would you come here, please, just for a minute. 
God showed me this last week. I had a running fit. I had a running fit. You know, let's suppose that I'm an artist and I'm painting Joe. I'm painting a picture of him. This is what goes on. And then sometimes it's, I'm studying every line of his face. I'm seeing where his hair quits and goes or does a turn. I'm watching the smile of his face. I'm watching the cut of his jaw. Do you know what? God showed me this out of that verse. Looking unto Jesus. And in the Greek it says, as an artist looks at his model. I called an artist. He's one of the finest artists I know anywhere. And I said, Micaiah, tell me, how many times would you look at an object that you're painting? He said, well, hundreds of times, preacher. I said, no, no. He said, no, no, wait a minute. Thousands of times. He said, I would stare, I would look, I would, I would go back and I would go back and, and I would look again and look again and look again and sometimes just look and study and look and study. But he said, no, ten thousands of times I would look at the object that I'm painting or the person or the animal that I'm painting. Looking unto Jesus. Oh, every day, every moment of the day, every second of every moment, just keep looking at him. I'll tell you, it'll drown the world out of your life. Pretty soon, you won't see anything but the Lamb. You won't see anything but this blessed face that was wounded for you. Thank you, Brother Joe. You won't see anything. You, you will have so studied the Lamb and you will have so seen the Lamb and you will so looked and looked and looked at the Lamb until the Lamb is all that matters. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. He didn't only begin it, he finished it. And he cried on Calvary's cross, it is finished. There was a man in England and he owned a shop where he made perfected grinding wheels. And this man that was a Christian had witnessed to him and witnessed to him and witnessed to him. And the man just wouldn't get saved. He just couldn't believe it. And over here in this particular tray was the finished grinding wheels. Oh, they were so balanced. They were known all over the, the place called Great Britain. Uh, they, they were known all over the European continent uh, and for, for the perfection of it and the balance of it. And, and over here was the ones he was working on. And so this Christian friend, knowing uh, how he did these things, walked in one day and he picked up one of these finished wheels that had taken so much time to finish and he grabbed some sandpaper uh, 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 I mean really coarse and he went at it like this and the man said no no it's finished he said so is salvation quit trying to add to your, your works when Jesus said it's finished it was finished Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Don't think tonight you can add anything that you can do. Read John 1.13. Save not by the will of man. Save not by the will of the flesh. Saved not by the blood. You say, wait a minute, you said we're saved by the blood. No, 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 I'm talking about that. I'm talking about you don't inherit in the bloodline like the Queen of England does or like these princes inherit the throne of England because of the blood that flows through them. You see, it doesn't matter what bloodline you come from. You've got to have his blood or you can't be redeemed. 
It's the blood of the Lamb that saves, not some blood of some dignitary, not some blood of some emperor or some dynasty, some family. No, it's the blood of the Lamb that saves and nothing else and nothing else. And it is finished, Jesus said. It's through. It's done. It's accomplished. And not one that the Father giveth me have I lost. That's perfection. That's perfection. Oh, tonight. Oh, tonight. That we could see him as the suffering lamb and the salvation lamb and the sufficient lamb. And then, oh, to just continually behold him as the superior lamb coming soon for his own. Coming soon for his own. God help us tonight. I was a lady from Washington. The the, uh, state of Washington called me some time ago, just a few weeks ago, I guess, uh, two or three, four months ago. She said, preacher, she said, our pastor said something the other night, and I've got a problem with it. Tell me, you tell me, Brother Williams, what I'm to do, what we're to do. And I said, well, what did he say? He said, if you took a DNA of the blood of Mary, you would find the same DNA in Jesus Christ, that his blood is no different than his mother's. I said, that's absolute heresy. Get out of there or get him out of there. Either run the preacher off or you take off somewhere where they still understand it's the blood. It's the blood, my friend. Nothing but the blood. You take the blood out of your veins and you'll die. You take the blood out of this book and it dies. It dies. It dies. Understand that? It dies. The life is in the blood. Peter said, it's precious blood. The Bible said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. As pastor said tonight in the opening service, that that Jesus Christ took his blood to heaven. Don't worry about the Catholic Church having some of it on a nail or on a shroud. He gathered every drop of it up according to Hebrews 9. And he took it yonder to the glories. And what the blood of bulls and goats could not do, he once and for all has done. And when he sprinkled his blood before the throne on the true mercy seat of which Moses' was only a picture and a shadow, my friend, he went seven times before there and spent his blood and fell down. And the father said, not for one year, but forever. It's redeemed. And my friend, ever since that time, some preacher somewhere has declared, Redeem! Redeem by the blood of the Lamb! Atonement Day in Israel was the greatest day of the year. The greatest day of the year. The whole camp, two and a half million Jews, would get up and they'd press as close as they could. Imagine this building. It's about the size of the tabernacle, maybe a little bigger. And imagine two and a half million people trying to get close to this building, but they're not allowed to get real close, but they're getting as close as they can. And the people who got up the earliest are gathered close and the people start standing behind them thousands deep. And they're all waiting on one thing. Here comes the high priest. He's got on his garment and it's got a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell on this outer shroud and he gets inside of the temple and he goes up to the curtain of the Holy of Holies and he takes off this outer garment because there's no noise to be heard in the Holy of Holies and he lays it aside and the bells quit jingling and quit tinkling and he goes in. If he doesn't, if God doesn't accept, he dies right there. Right there, he's got a rope tied on his leg so that if God doesn't accept and he dies, they can pull him out of the Holy of Holies because no other man can ever go in there, dear friend. And so this is the day of atonement. Break that word down, at one month. 
at one with man and God was made at one again. There wasn't the rift there. And, and so this is atonement day and everybody is absolutely quiet. Two and a half million people and you can't hear a noise just like all those Jews, thousands and thousands and uh, of them hundreds of thousands marching around the walls of Jericho and the Bible said there was not a sound coming out of them. Not a sound made by any of them and they did that once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day and not one sound and there's not one sound to be heard in the Holy of Holies and here this high priest comes out of the Holy of Holies and he picks up this out of the garment and those little old bells begin to jingle again and the people the closest to the tabernacle could hear. You ever heard ringing those silver bells for you and me? That was what that was and when the bells started tinkling again the people the closest heard it and they would turn in the crowd and say Redeemed! Redeemed! God has accepted! That's the only reason this poor preacher can stand in Danbury, Connecticut night and repeats to you, Redeemed! Redeemed! How I love to proclaim it. You can be redeemed tonight. I pray, I beg you as I did this morning, don't walk out of here with religion. Walk out of here being washed in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for the Lamb, the sufficient Lamb, the suffering Lamb, the salvation Lamb, and oh, Lord God, the superior Lamb. We lift our hands tonight and say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We join the seraphims of heaven. We join, my uh, precious God, uh, uh, all of the beings of heaven, all the angels, all the seraphims, all the cherubims, and cry hallelujah, hallelujah. He is worthy. He is worthy, the blessed Lamb. Oh, tonight, Father, I pray, I pray, not one shall leave lost tonight. Not one shall leave with some cheap claim of religion, but oh, they'll come to the fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, drawn by whip, drawn by thorn, drawn by fist, drawn by nails, the blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Oh, tonight, oh, tonight. Our Father, help us to go back to our loved ones and friends and cry, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Please, our Father, help us tonight. I pray, I pray. With our heads bowed, just one more moment. I wonder if there's anyone that say, Brother Williams, look, I I thought about it in the communion service. I'm thinking about it now. Preacher, I just need to get really saved. I just need to really open my heart up and cry out to the God of heaven to save me and wash me in the blood of his son. Pray for me, Brother Williams. Pray for me that I'd walk out those doors tonight, blood washed, not just with some kind of religion, but blood washed. Tonight, tonight just lift your hand. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Then tonight, would you stand together with me, please? Let's stand together. I'm going to ask our sister to play just as I am. Tonight, come on, right now. Let's worship the Lamb tonight, folks. Come on. Come on, let's worship the Lamb tonight. Come on. 